Wendy? Darling, light of my life. I'm not going to hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains Welcome back, Dreadfuls. You're listening to another episode of Left for Dread, the horror podcast for everyone from newbies to fanatics. We are not a spoiler-free podcast, so make sure you've seen the movie or movies we're talking about before you listen. I'm one of your hosts, Rye. And I'm your other host, Chris. And Rye, I think I think we were oddly and overly prophetic when we first decided to... Um, I blame it all that on that one article we both read. It was like best movies to watch in the middle of a of a of a winter storm where you're holding of, of a snowstorm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and now the the polar vortex is back with a vengeance. And um, you know, especially I mean, all all over the country. Yeah, but especially Texas right now, uh, going through severe snow warning. So I kind of I kind of regret doing this, but. I don't. I no, I don't. But like, I yeah, watching that documentary. But I don't. I don't regret watching this movie. Yeah, yeah. But right now, it's just it's you know hashtag real talk. It's rough out there. So uh, shout outs to everyone in Texas. Stay warm, and I hope you get power back soon. Mm-hmm. Be safe. Yes, be safe. Yeah. So Chris, now that we've said all of that, what uh? Yeah. What movie are we talking about today? Sorry, that was my dog. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah, well, well, today, I think one of the most quintessential stuck inside and, and go stir crazy from, from isolation and cabin fever and possibly ghosts, possibly The Shining by Stanley Kubrick, uh, obviously based on the classic Stephen King novel. Loosely based. Oh, loosely based. Loosely based. Loosely based. So I've never read The Shining. Um, you know, I I know, I know this may come up uh, a lot this this episode, and um, I I will say full disclosure. At least for me, like a lot of my, I guess like comparisons or whatever the the book will come up, you know, that's from like secondhand sources and analyses. So full disclosure. So I was one of those people that for the longest time had only ever watched the movie. I'd never read the book. And then when I finally read the book, I'm ashamed to admit that I was a lot older than I wanted to be by the time I read it. I was, and I still haven't read or seen Dr. Sleep. So we're not talking about that today. Um, maybe a future episode, but I was blown away at the book and how different they are. And that's why I say very loosely based because Kubrick changed so much. Like, and I realize that that is what, what happens when you do an adaptation but, well, two things. If you listen to any of the crazies from 
the documentary Room 237, this was all guys to do other things, which I'll get into. I was texting Chris while I was watching it. It is batshit Bananaville. But the other hand is like, I, I get that sometimes there's creative license and changes are made, but when the author hands you source material and says, here's, here's the source material, and you literally throw it out the window and go, no, I'm just going to do my own thing as far as I'm concerned, your quote-unquote ab- adaptation is so loose because it's so far removed from the original text that, like, I personally, and I'm probably going to get hate for this, that considers The Shining just, like, a movie that Kubrick did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there's the book. <laughs> <laughs> so I think with with Kubrick, he, he's he's a perfectionist, um, and he 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 definitely has like a high mind concept and approach. And I think, I mean, I, I think, I mean, this is I think objectively speaking, there is a lot of value. Um, in the original source material, um, and I was reading, I was reading one of the one of the trivia, one of the background stories of the of the making of The Shining, where after he finished one of his projects, he went through a slump for like weeks about trying to find a new project, and like nothing, nothing like piqued his interest. Until he he started reading The Shining, um, and like from like a he- secondhand source, I think it was the secretary who was very uh, knowledgeable about his quirks. You know, like Kubrick would literally throw books at the wall uh, if he hated something, and um, you know the fact that she didn't she stopped hearing that telltale noise when he started reading The Shining, which. Um, which I mean, I, I, obviously, The Shining, from at least from what I heard, you know, again, full disclosure, I haven't read it, but it's a seminal work, and it obviously had a huge impact on Kubrick. Um, and but I I've seen this critique come up a lot, so I haven't watched the documentaries either. So, Rai, you can you know fact check for me, but I, I would say that, or it seems to me that like, Kubrick wanted to delve into horror but like he didn't actually appreciate the medium of horror and um and that that's why you know a lot of critics panned it and like found it dis- divisive like i that, that was a pretty common review that i found where like they, they a lot of them stated like Krubik didn't really understand or treat uh he was trying to make a horror movie, but these are the type of movies he issued. Like, is that an accurate statement? Yeah, again, it depends if you're asking the batshit crazyville of 239, 237, something different. I, I have to be honest with you, though. I, I think that, I think my mind's been a little tainted by that stupid fucking documentary. Um, cause I came out of it just like hating Kubrick more. So I have like an skewed vision, like a skewed vision right now, but I don't 
know. I mean, I feel like some of the work that Kubrick had done already was kind of terrifying in its own right. Like, 2001 A Space Odyssey, first of all, is a is a masterpiece in in movies. I'll, I I will go on the record in saying that now. 2001 Space Odyssey, Clockwork Orange, like those to me are quintessential Kubrick movies. Then and then you had, you know, Eyes Wide Shut in the 90s, which was woo boy. That was a whole other bag of crazy. You ask anybody like what the prime ex- what a prime example of a horror movie is and they're going to say The Shining. It, so it's weird. It's interesting you say that because like I honestly didn't think this this felt like a horror movie to me. You know, I mean, de- de- definitely a psychological thriller, definitely a drama, horror. I mean, there's like s- scary moments in it. I think it's also the the circumstances are horrifying, but Kubrick lost the supernatural and paranormal elements that were so key to the book. Yet more of the shining which is the gift that danny and the cook have together you get more of that in the book um there's definitely you get more of a sense that it's really the hotel and the spirit of the hotel that is causing these things to happen and is causing these people to go crazy that caused O'Grady to go crazy and like cut off like cut up his family into little itty bitty itty bitty pieces that drives Jack insane because he wasn't like that at the beginning like through the book you watch him sort of I mean he was easy let's be honest he was a former recovering alcoholic he was an easy target but you can see him sort of like fighting it in the beginning. He's like, I think the hotel is like fucking with my head. And then he's done. But Kubrick lost that paranormal supernatural element that really makes it horrifying. Like there's supposed to be, and the, the, the maze, the topiary in the book like comes to life. Yeah, I, I know they, they switched to the hedge because like of the production uh what's it called limitations so like production and logistics at the time um i know that was like a purely that was like a purely like logistical uh hard call that kubrick had to make at the time right and if and honestly that's not even like the scariest part of it so even if he had left that out but kept some element of the supernatural in other than the fact that a dead man is clearly talking to Jack Torrance and the fact that uh, a woman looks really young and beautiful ends up being this old bloated corpse and that some guy is the bartender like those were the only real elements you get other than that it's it's literally the horrifying part of it is, is just the horror of the human mind of being isolated for that long will drive you a little nuts. It's like the human condition. That's what was so terrifying about the movie. Okay. Th- there was, a, I think that there's a way to create that movie without calling it the shining. Mm, yeah. I mean, but uh, I, I, I mean, I, I mean, it still shares like the basics narrative skeleton i mean obviously like uh i i know king was king hates this movie yeah king does hate this movie and i know king 
wanted uh, he he was disappointed at like how the the downplay of the supernatural was apparent in the shining and i i know like it it, it to him like at least with with, with it, tie into the performance with jack nicholson how uh how king's uh view of the character and like the central arc or the central characters and his their arc um is like a descent into madness um not just by supernatural forces but like willful destruction of the self through like uh alcoholism alcoholism uh, i feel like it at least from my what i read plays a much much bigger role uh in the book than in the film and plus you also have like this uh, the supernatural events and the social isolation and I know I know King has stated multiple times that he didn't feel that transition or that that utter nihilistic tragic bomb have has occurred cuz like with how Nicholson just is and his reputation for playing like really unhinged unstable characters um it seemed that like Nicholson played a character that was already disp- predisposed to the madness, you know, the the hotel was just a one tiny push uh, before he, he fell, you know? Not to say that I think that if we got to see on film the vision that King would have liked to have seen, I don't think there was anything wrong with the casting of this movie. I just think they chose the wrong director. But back in 1980, I don't know who would have done it better. John Carpenter, maybe? But it's not really his cup of tea. Yeah, I I was thinking about that the entire time. So like I um I I can't remember the last time I watched The Shining. Uh, it was very very long ago. Uh, I for me I think it was like bits and pieces of it in high school. That's it. Or you know, and I haven't seen it in like over fifteen years, maybe more. So like it wholly felt like watching it for the first time. And and I think I think. I think the the shadow of The Shining or like the tall tale cult status where it's like constantly referenced and homaged and you know you know and everything uh especially horror um I don't know if it like discolored or like just just maybe like inundated or like numbed like the emotional impact that i was supposed to feel but like you know as i watched this it was i i found myself like uh i honestly like you know this is my hot take i honestly don't know why this film is so critically acclaimed and like and 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 and, and, and you know to, with a grain of salt it was i mean uh upon release it was you know very divisive or I mean, not a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people didn't like it. I mean, that didn't. That doesn't mean it wasn't a box office success. I know, and it won a bunch of awards. And you know, over uh, definitely over time, um, it has been re- revisited as like one of the most important movies of all time. It's in the um, uh, the National Registry for Congress's Film Preservation and. Um, it's been constantly analyzed. I 
but honestly, again, after watching the stupid documentary today, I think it's being analyzed for the wrong reasons. I think a bunch of fanboys who think that Kubrick is a genius and think that The Shining is like a cinematic masterpiece, they're wrong. Kubrick, okay, I'll, I'll, I'm throwing that out there. Kubrick was a dick on the set of The Shining, especially to Shelley Duvall. And I will get into that later. And y'all snowflakes can roll your eyes and be like, oh, I don't want to get into this. Don't, don't fucking, then don't fucking bother. But it is a part of filming of this movie and the creation of this movie. Stanley Kubrick might have had his moments before where, again, and I've said it, A Clockwork Orange and 2001 Space Odyssey were both brilliant films. Like, supremely incredible the way he shoots things and his choice for music and like he makes brilliant choices and he had a unique mind but if you apply all of that and put it to the shining for me it just like it doesn't it doesn't have the same effect it doesn't match up i don't think that i don't think the shining is a kubrick masterpiece <laughs> i'm sorry i i to me i you know my take, The Shining's not a good horror film. I don't even call it a horror film, honestly. Like, and, and you know, and honestly, I was kind of bored watching it. Like, I, like, it, like, I, it was just like, I mean, it's, it's a long movie, but I, I, I know, like, I mean, I, well, with Kubrick, you know, like, it, it, this, this comes from his style where it's like these long tracking shots, and like he's trying to establish a mood and a tone and, and you know and he does that like there's a lot of these beautifully rendered shots uh you know like uh, the pioneering of the steady cam you know like falling around uh danny uh, like uh, these pov shots uh the extensive use of music um to uh elicit emotion or manipulate emotion cool i like that it's a it's Cool. It it's def it definitely definitely feels like an art house film, but uh, I think King described it really well in one of his critiques. He he said like this movie um, has like all the furnishings of a Cadillac, but it just just doesn't have any any heart or any soul. And it's like I I really get that because like yeah, this, this movie is like it's pretty to watch. Uh, it's, you know, it's fun to, to listen to because, like, of, like, the sound design and, you know, it's an endless delight. Like, all, all, the, all the actors and actresses, you know, they are excellently casted. You know, not, not just Nicholson, but Duvall. Scabbett Crothers, you know, Denny Lloyd, you know, they are on top of their game. And I really, I enjoy those performances, but overall, it, even, even as unhinged and as Nicholas season one and how much fun it was was to watch it. Like I, to me personally, it wasn't enough to save the film. Cause it just, it was just too long. And like the pacing to me was off and it's like, and, and I didn't feel, I didn't feel connected to the movie. I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like I should feel in the horror movie where like my, like I should be on the, you know, I should I should feel uncomfortable. I should feel on the grip of my seat. I should be like, I, I should like I should feel something. But to me, I was just like you know I, I was like, in be 
in between two states of like actively enjoying like Nicholson chewing the scenery, um, like Duval, like you know, acting her heart out, you know, despite all this, all like the real life sacrifice and heartache she had to be put through, um, you know, being super impressed by um, Danny Lloyd, you know, that was his first acting role, um, and I really enjoyed the role as uh, as Danny, but it, to me, I just it just didn't feel. It just felt, it felt like it buried the lead anyway. It felt like it was trying too hard to, like, set you up for, like, how weird and how, how shocking it's going to be. Like, the, the beginning of the film was, like, it's laying it so heavy. Like, uh, oh, yeah, this, this place has a history of being haunted. And, uh, and, then, and then Jack's like, oh, yes, I love, I love. It was built on an, on an Indian burial ground. And, yeah. To me, it's like, okay, it's like, this is, I mean, is this the best that is this like like why am I missing something? I, I honestly thought I was missing something and like it just dragged for like the two hours and by the end of it it's like I don't understand and I I, I was like I don't know under, I, I feel like I'm legitimately missing something as to, like I don't understand why so many other people love it. I mean it's a good it's well produced, it's well acted. I mean I'm, I'm not I'm not a filmmaker. So, you know, take that as you will. But, like, I I thought it was, like, it was a fine film. Was it the greatest horror film of all time? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think there's a lot of other better horror films. Um, and uh, I don't know. That's just my, that's my hot take. I, I thought it was, it was, it was, it was, it was good. It wasn't great. It wasn't best of film best film of all time material and like you could at me <laughs> oh uh it's but I, don't, I know it's kubrick i know he's a name in in directing and a name in movies i know that and i still enjoy watching the shining i i was sitting there fucking quoting the whole thing i love the shining but i was i was legitimately bored right it was it was bad <laughs> here's the thing though is i've learned to sort of isolate the film from the book so like i just watched the shining as a movie i'm not watching it because i'm a huge fan of kubrick i'm not watching it because i feel like watching a stephen king adaptation there are more out there that i could watch if i wanted to watch an adaptation there's cujo there's firestarter there's salem's lot there's it the miniseries and the recent movies i there's thinner there's silver bullet there i could keep going there's pl there's a plethora of other material. Um, there's Pet Cemetery. There's a plethora of other movies out there if you want to watch a Stephen King adaptation. That's not why I watch The Shining. I literally watch it because it's snowy outside and I'm bored as hell. <laughs> I yeah, I I always enjoy watching Jack Nicholson. Um, I enjoy watching him psych himself. Like a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, like watching him getting himself psyched to bash that door in with the axe like he's sitting there going think murder 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 like he is really getting himself revved up to get into this and yeah yeah and i, I honestly it just it, it it's what makes the movie so enjoyable for me is jack nicholson i maybe i have a soft spot for the dumb geezer i don't fucking know he's not a geezer why did i say that I I don't I don't know. I don't know. But he is one of the few things that I really enjoy about watching the movie. I mean, he's he's endlessly fun to watch. I admit like I that's like that's easily my favorite part of the movie. I love watching him lose his shit. 
I mean, not to the extent that I enjoy watching Nick Cage lose his shit, because that man just takes it to a whole new level. Oh, Nick Cage. What a national trend. Nick Cage is on a different level when it comes to losing his shit on, on film. But I, again, so you said that you felt like you were missing something, and I'm going to bring up this stupid documentary again. So, okay, full disclosure. I knew we were watching The Shining for this episode. I also took it upon myself to watch the documentary Room 237, which came out in 2012. And I have to tell you, it was exhausting to watch. Because as I was texting Chris, they are full of shit and they are stretching the tiniest things and turning them and trying to turn them into full blown theories. And that's why this movie has been overanalyzed by postmodern film critics, which I really hate right now, who I like really hate with a passion right now. And that's why it's been done to death because people think that. Kubrick was trying to tell people something and they all think it's like they posited like nine different theories in this documentary as to what Kubrick was quote unquote really trying to tell you with The Shining. Someone said it was about the Native American genocide. Somebody said it was about the Holocaust. This one was my favorite was proof that Kubrick staged the moon landing. Yay, conspiracy theories. And that he's like, oh, I firmly believe it. And I know that I'm that my taxes are going to get audited and that they're watching me. And I was like, OK, so we have officially gone to crazy town. I'm glad this documentary is over. I'm going to go take a nap. Like, I just. If you want a good laugh, go watch. It, it's interesting because, like, I know we talked about, like, uh, for for certain other types of movies, um, you know, the 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 joy of debating like ambiguous endings and like you know i mean that's good yeah that's cool but like too much of a good thing <laughs> ambiguous endings and like finding easter eggs like that's that's fun but i don't but it's not too much of a good thing i really don't think kubrick was trying to tell anybody anything with the shining i think he just decided that he read the shining and decided he wanted to do his own thing with it that I really think it's as simple as that. Like, what what was one of the things I texted you today? They were like taking the tiniest things and like stretching them like beyond fucking belief. This one person was reading far too much about Danny on his bike going through the Overlook Hotel. They were saying how it's a representation of the trickery of the hotel and the mastery of Kubrick as a director because of the way he filmed it indicating that the hotel isn't what it seems and i said to chris or it's just a passage of fucking time that's it there's nothing else to look into with this movie and it's driving me fucking crazy that these people i've donated far too much of my time to this that these people have become such fangirls and boys for this movie in particular over Kubrick's, why isn't 2001 A Space Odyssey held under a microscope or Eyes Wide Shut or A Clockwork Orange? Why aren't those films done to death the way this one is? I don't know. I mean, it's not like Clockwork Orange or 2001. Clockwork it's... Orange is violent as hell. Yeah, well, Even in, the book is worse. Yeah, I, I, was, I was saying it's, it's not like, it's not like The Shining isn't a any bigger of a pop culture icon than those two movies. I mean, those two movies are like, are equally as lauded 
Um, I, I don't know if it's a, a matter of I don't know. Maybe maybe it's maybe it's just the genre. Like I don't I don't know I don't know if like the horror psychological thriller genre is like just more palatable um uh or more universal than others more philosophical more existential more cosmic bent you can absolutely make arguments for 2001 a space odyssey that kubrick could have subliminally been trying to tell people something with 2001 a space odyssey but even then like some of the points that these looney tunes were making you know i made sense but for like 2001 a space odyssey was a movie that they constantly went back to um somebody made a point of saying that you should watch the shining backwards and forwards and while this person didn't mean literally he meant that people and characters take actions that both propel them backwards and forwards and it throughout the movie but that's also a common theme with kubrick films like the way everything sort of mirrors each other in 2001 a space odyssey or the way you know he sort of mirrored how he did 2001 a space odyssey with the shining and yeah sure i get all of that but again i just i don't have nearly as much of a boner for the shining as done by kubrick as i do for some of his other movies I'm gonna get shit on so bad for that, but I agree. Again, I still like the, I still like the Shining. It's just. (laughs) I will have my hot take. I honestly think the 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 Shining's overrated. I you know I didn't. I mean, I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. You know, and I don't like. I thought I remember myself having more fonder memories of watching it and like maybe on my i think this is my maybe my my second or third watch of it so i haven't really watched it very often uh, and maybe i am i am poisoned or colored by the secondhand references of it throughout you know all pop culture you know like the simpsons or any other like throwaway cameo or even something more recent as like Ready Player One, because uh, they you know they, they heavily it does like a whole like second act that takes place in the Overlook Hotel, and like I just don't get why it's so good, um, especially as a horror movie. You know, I was like I, I just didn't find it. I just found I found it really flat. Um, like I, it, they gave they put everything on Front Street, you know. And it's like, okay, well, I know already, even if I didn't, or it was, I was in a bubble, like, if I watched it right today, it's like, okay, you just told me everything that's going to happen. Like, yeah, like, uh, and it's like, okay, so. There's no mystery. Yeah, there's no mystery. There's no, and it's like, and then, and then like, yeah, I understand, like, it's kind of like the journey, like, you know, it's like the tone, it's like the, the you know, Kubrick is trying to uh, put you through the maze itself like you're just trying to unsettle you with like the oppressive setting of the environments which are both like claustrophobic yet uh massive at the same time and then like there's like the mood like the the descent into madness and the whole yeah yeah 
Yeah, and it's like, okay, I get that. You know, that's nice window dressing, but like, I this movie doesn't have a soul. It's like, okay, I, uh, that's why I, I honestly, I paused this movie a lot just to like, I, my attention span was just like, okay, well, I need, I need five minutes to prep myself before pressing, you know, play again. And that happened a lot. And I don't want that to happen in the movies because a lot of people, a lot of the dreadfuls, you know, like, I'm all about immersion. I want to like, I don't, I find it a, a peeve of mine if I, or I find it like a, a, a signifier of a movie. If I, if I pause the movie, like, like, you know, multiple times and I'm not engaged and it's not holding my attention, um, you know, I'm the type of person who gets like, who, like, it, like I, I, I just, you know, this is not COVID times. If I'm in a movie theater, like I'm like glued to the screen. You know, I don't want to hear anything. I, it, it, I'm just one of one of those people who I get kind of annoyed that if someone tries to talk to me in the middle, of it, I was like, Shh, I need, I'm focusing <laughs> the movie. It's like, no, so I, I, I'll, and it's like, and this movie is just like, I'm looking for excuses to get out of it. It's like, okay, and and then when it's over, it's like, oh, thank God it's over. That, that was like, that was so, that was that was, like, that was a really long two hours. Which is like, that's two and a half hours of my life I can't get back. Yeah, well, not. I mean, I, I there's parts I enjoy, but like, I could be, you know, it's just like move along, like where, and like, it, yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna get added to that. <laughs> you are, I'm sure, but it's okay. Um, I, I think that there were things about this movie that are, are just visually stunning. Like I know, and I know Rain has a matching dress and headband of the Overlook carpet that I desperately want because I think it's gorgeous. There are things about this film that are like visually stunning. Do I want to go to Colorado and stay at the Stanley Hotel? Absolutely. No. <laughs> don't, do, don't do yes, it. I want to do it. I want to do it. <laughs> just because like the, the. The visuals that he, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I will shit on him for doing this movie, but I won't shit on some of the visuals that he presented in this film because it is what he was good at, right? But again, I just don't think he should have touched the, sh like, why, the, like, it's just him and The Shining. There's just, it's like oil and water for me. They just don't mix. Which is why, again, I will call it a movie and I won't call it a successful adaptation. Um, I'll call it a very loose adaptation. I don't like calling it an adaptation, even though it is one. Um, Kubrick made a very loosely, loose, loose, loose adaptation of The Shining in 1980. And, yeah. <laughs> I, I, and, yeah, and, like, yeah. So, like, completely destroyed a Hollywood starlet's life over this movie, which... In the age of accountability, let's call it like it was. He was an asshole to her on set. He treated her like shit, which you didn't know about until I said something. I think uh, he deliberately, like, tried to single her out. He did. He deliberately isolated her. And there are pieces of the behind the scenes where you can see her pulling out strands of her own hair that she's losing from stress. And Kubrick is like, no, forget about it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And he's being very dismissive of her. And he even says to the camera, like, don't sympathize with Shelly. He tried. Yeah, it's, it's he terrible. Yeah, he wore her down to get the performance he wanted out of her. And she even said, like, he did things 
full on from rehearsal, like in full mode from rehearsal to shooting all day. And he does like 35 takes of one thing before he's happy. So imagine carrying a kid and running and screaming and crying and doing all of this constantly all day. Your body wants to shut down. But he was sweet as fucking pie to Jack Nicholson. Yeah, and then and then at the end of the day, Kubrick, you know, is reaping like like one hundred ten percent of the credit, <laughs> uh, like or, or like uh, Kubrick's getting all this praise, and it's like, but but you you put her through the ringer, and if anything, like, you know, you know, her career ended after that. I th- I forget if Popeye was before or after The Shining, but her career was over after that. She she didn't work. Yeah, I understand. Like, she was it's done. Like, it, it, she's constantly cited as saying it's like what the single most hardest role that she's done in her career and it's like that's terrible he was an emotionally abusive asshole to her on set and you can't especially in what i'm calling the age of accountability right now because we are finding that so many of the creators that we love so much are we're finding out that these things that brought us joy that impacted us in some form or another in our lives are being made by garbage people like i can't acknowledge the shining without acknowledging the fact that he fucking ruined shelly duvall it's not just shelly duvall i mean uh i know i'm not trying to like reduce her pain or and or reduce her experiences but um you know like just his ab- abrasive, ab- abusive style of f- filmmaking, like in the draped with the the guise of like quote unquote perfectionism. Um, you know, he he like made Jack Nicholson eat nothing but cheese sandwiches for two weeks just to get him like irritable all the time, and um. Like Scatman Crothers as Dick, like he redid a scene maybe like a hundred something times, and then the next film he did after that was directed by Clint Eastwood. I forget what was the name of the film, but um, Clint Eastwood was like very well known for just like single take, single shot, next scene, and then there was a story where, uh, where Scatman Crothers did one take of uh, of a scene in this film and then he started weeping tears of joy literally because uh he only had to do it once as opposed to like Kubrick making him do the same scene like 110 times it was some crazy number like that I shudder to think about what he was like on the set of Eyes Wide Shut now having seen that movie and understanding some of the context of it and like what was in that movie I shudder to think what he was like like, I don't want to think about it. Like, that, it makes me kind of physically ill to think about. But, yeah. All this to say is Kubrick, I don't consider him a genius by any stretch of the imagination. I think he did some incredible films. I think he knew exactly what he was doing when he made these films. Not to the degree that the tinfoil hat crazies in 237 decide that he knew what he was doing. Um, but I just, no, just not, just leave the, that's just The Shining just exists as a movie. <laughs> that's it. That's where I stand with it. Yeah. And then I, 
you know. You won't be that dis- this disappointed next week because that movie actually holds up. Yeah, I, I'm excited for next week. Um, I mean, I just for this film, yes, like the music's uh, plays into the the suspenseful tone. Nicholson just freaking out, or like just or just like the I like the the just barely unrestrained or just barely restrained uh performances he gives like you know just like that quiet that quote-unquote quiet scene um uh in the bar which is having uh a conversation with the bartender you could see him about to snap but he's trying to keep his cool and it's that's great that's terrifying that's all nicholson and um but like some of the more iconic scary moments like they're done in like the least Scary, iconic. To me, it just seems lazy. Like, like, um, um, it's not even like, like the twins, like the twins, or like the rushing of blood. It, it's just a quick cut. It's not even like a clever, like, I don't know. The, like, like, I just, I, to, like, from a from a cinematic standpoint, like the the they at the beginning of the film, you know, it's like foreshadowing. Like we, it's from the POV of Danny, but they they just like without any like any like I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like they just plop a, a, a clip of the reel and just slap it, and they just flash it for like two seconds, and it's like okay, it's that um okay, you just flashed in my my head, uh, and you keep doing that. Like I don't where am I supposed to be scared? It, I mean, obviously, it might have been really, really scary when the when the movie first came out, but I, but I, I don't think saying it was scary for the time it came out is like a should hang it off the hook. I mean, you know, a scary. I mean, a, a, a scary moment should stay with you. You should elicit those those prior flight or fight. Um, experiences and you know anytime and and to me when I just I don't know if it's just lazy or like I don't know if I don't know what's the exact choice of just cutting randomly to the two girls and and the flooding of blood right at the beginning like again that's undercutting the tension um like if it was a matter of like Danny like hearing like just the voices of the twins or hear or if you're just seeing Danny sleep and you're hearing like the rushing of something watery rushing towards him. And then, th- and then later you cut to uh, either Danny experiencing it or, or, um, or devolved experiencing when you actually see the river of water and it's like, Oh, that's where they're, that that's what they're referencing in the beginning of the film. But no, they just bury the lead at the beginning of the film. It's like, it's like, okay, I, this is just some jarring piece of film. They just stuck in. And they, yeah, it was all very surface level. And again, like the book, the book may, I feel like the book kind of like made you work for it. Like, I really hope that seeing this doesn't discourage you from reading the book because I made the mistake of holding on to this movie for so long that I didn't read the book until I was much older. And I got it. I love the book. I hold the book in much higher at a much higher level than I do the movie, which I realize for you isn't hard. But, um, 
I really hope that it doesn't discourage you from reading the book because the book really is fantastic. And unlike the case of next week's episode, the change that the, some of the changes they made in the movie from the book, A, were Stephen King approved, and B, like. It made sense for the medium? Yeah. Well, it made sense. It made sense way they were doing the movie like there was there there was something about the imagery for the iconic scene from next week's movie that is different in the book and i understand why they did it and like i'm not mad at it. yeah well that's for next week let's save it that's all for next week but that's but that's to say that i hope that this movie doesn't discourage you from from picking up the book and reading I'm reading it. I don't care if I have to find it on Amazon and ship it to you. Like you really should read the book. <laughs> I mean, I'll I'll get around to it, maybe eventually, hopefully. This left um, a bad taste I mean, in your mouth, though. I don't know. This movie is just like I was just bored. I mean, that's, that's that just kind of if you want to sum it up to me, it's like two things. I didn't think it was scary, and I was you know I was bored, <laughs> and not even not even not even Nicholson's performance really could save it for me. Um, I am interested in 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 watching Doctor Sleep because I know yeah. Stephen King had very favorable reviews about Doctor Sleep. I heard mixed reviews, but from fans, not from King. So <laughs> yeah, I know King in particular. He stated he liked Doctor Sleep. I was like, okay, well, he likes it. You know, I'll check it. Yeah, out. Yeah, I definitely want to read it, but I want to read it and watch it. So I want to put that on the slate for a later day because i definitely want to do it so how would you rate this movie chris i'm afraid to ask uh i don't know maybe 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 two and a half hotels out of five i don't know um i mean i don't know if that's low <laughs> that's a low rating well i i would give it i would give it three and a half out of five hotels and it only gets knocked down because it's not a real adaptation of the book because everything else, like, for all of its purposes, like, for everything else, like, it is a, it, like, he checks all the boxes in terms of a film. It's just, there is a disconnect between calling it The Shining. Call it anything else. The Haunting. <laughs> the Axe. <laughs> yeah, call it, like, The Haunting at the Overlook Hotel or something like that. Yeah, like, the Overlook whatever Hotel. Whatever it is. Right, there's, whatever it is. But it's just, like, there is a huge disconnect, I think. And that really, like... That knocks it down a peg for me. On that note. <laughs> I'm dying. Uh, thank you for listening to another episode of Left for Tried. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Everything helps. You can listen to us on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify every Friday. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. You can find us on Facebook, and you can check us out on our website at leftfordread.com. And yes, uh, I, again, uh, I know this is hashtag to real, but... We're still in the middle of a polar vortex, so uh, stay safe out there. And um, and uh, you know, I, we're, looks like we're gonna be, we're gonna be like legitimately. I don't know about you, Ryan, but I know PA is gonna get a shit ton more snow and ice. We're gonna get snow. Yeah. Too. Yeah. So what better yeah. way? Uh, snowed in for another week. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna be snowed in for another week. So we're gonna be following this trend with misery. Yes. So that I'm really so like I said, I'm really excited for that. I think that one really holds up.
yeah. I, I am legitimately excited because like I Misery's pot is one of my favorite Stephen King films. Um, I mean all all time fave, uh The Mist, but like Misery's very, very high up up there. Have you read the uh, book? No, I haven't actually. I mean, yeah. So I mean, I, I there's a there's a long list of, of stuff I need to read. So uh possibly the shining, you know, misery. I'll get around to it. But uh until then, you know, stay tuned until next week because uh misery's great and I think we we're gonna have a really good time with it. Yep, I'm excited. So thanks for listening and don't forget. Stay dreadful.